You're listening to The Residential Movement, where the focus is on making in-home dental care normal instead of novel or niche. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Robinson, a house call dentist with a lot of passion for reaching patients who are best served in their home or residence. I'm here to encourage, equip, and empower dentists like you to begin offering in-home dental services for patients who cannot get to the office, while also enjoying a more balanced work life. We discuss everything from dentistry, business, ethics, mindset, and more. Listen in to learn how you can become a part of the residential movement. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is special because you're going to hear from a very impressive colleague of mine. Her name is Kathy Grenham, a mobile public health dental hygienist from Massachusetts. Beyond being a dental provider with over 14 years of mobile experience, she's an entrepreneur. In our conversation, we cover everything from the logistics of providing mobile dental care to the differences between scopes of practice in each state, which we all know is a huge factor for access. She has a great deal of insight to share, so I know you'll enjoy listening in on this conversation. Let's go. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Kathy Grenham today, and we're going to talk about the role of other dental providers on a mobile dental or house call dental team. So Kathy, say hello to my listeners and feel free to introduce yourself. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dr. Robertson. Thanks for inviting me here. My name is Kathy Grenham. I'm a public health dental hygienist in Massachusetts and been providing services outside of the traditional dental office since about 2010. That's awesome. So earlier this year, Kathy and I met at a conference that is specifically for mobile dental providers or telehealth dental providers. And this is the first time that I learned about other dental providers on the road, because you guys know I've talked to you before about my business model, about how in New York I work independently because of the limitations on dental providers here. But Kathy, tell my audience in Massachusetts what dental health public hygienists are able to provide to people. Yeah, so we work in a collaborative situation with a dentist, which does not mean that we have to provide services for their patients and vice versa. It just means that should we have questions or need support in any way, or we need to have supplies shipped. Some companies won't send us direct fluoride or sealant materials. They have to go to a dental office first. So we can have that stuff shipped there. So it's a collaborative relationship, but we don't work for them. They don't work for us. But in my particular situation, I do have a dentist in which we do work very closely together, but independently. We see the same patients at nursing home facilities. And I have a team of hygienists. And what we do is we go out and we do all the things that are, you know, at the scope of our practice so that that makes it easier for the dentist to come in and just successfully complete the treatment that the patients desperately need. That is wonderful. So back in 2010, what inspired you to make this jump or to venture into the mobile or house call dental space? Right. So at the time, I'm not sure if your listeners are aware of Diamante Driver. He was a little boy. He's 10 years old and lived in the Washington, D.C. area. And his mom kept bringing him or trying to bring him to a dentist and they couldn't find a provider. And he actually died from a brain abscess from a tooth infection. But what came out of that was a spur of government insurances and state representatives to create some type of a catch net or some type of, we have to do something different. Panic came on. 
And what they did was we said, well, we'll start with hygienists. We'll get public health hygienists into Massachusetts. And that was a, a legal conundrum for the state to overcome. There was a lot of opposition from the dental community, the dentists, but we prevailed and here we are. And I was one of the first to accept that position and all of the entails and all the training that was required and whatnot and haven't looked back since. Excellent. Yeah, I know that Massachusetts, even to start a dental house school practice in Massachusetts, I think there's more regulation than there are in my state. So it is. it does sound quite a feat for you guys to be able to have that end. It was quite daunting to get through the permitting process. But, you know, as a provider, that doesn't bother me because if you're not in it for the right reasons and you're not going to do it properly and safely, then you shouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I think the state is very wise to make sure that people have all of the parameters in place so that this is a, you know, a safe environment to provide dental services. Absolutely. So shed some light just from your perspective on why you think the dental community or the dentists in your state had some opposition to this change. Well, I think that that, that all comes down to finances. I mean, I, I think that they don't want patients being able to have access to dentistry in other locations other than brick and mortar. This is my own personal opinion. You know, I think it's masked by, you know, we're not safe. We don't have the intellect to deal with, you know, what we're presented with. We, you know, but there's a lot of hygienists out here. We have a lot of experience and we've seen a lot of stuff. And, you know, more so when you go into these nursing homes and home settings and school systems, you're seeing a vast majority of different types of patients as opposed to what you get into private practice. So that doesn't really hold water with me. So I, I really feel as though it was a, a threat to the traditional dental model, but that needs to be upended because the link from oral issues dealing with the rest of the body and the systemic implications, everybody needs to have access to dental care, not just people with insurance or people that can afford it. And we all know it's so terribly expensive for most people. And so what you're going to end up having is like the street dentistry kind of stuff that we see once in a while. And um, that's horrific. I agree. And it's funny that you say that because even me as a dentist, when I started my dental house call practice in my community, my practice is meant to serve people who can't get out of the house. I never claim to be a substitute for a brick and mortar office because I don't have, you know, all the equipment that a brick and mortar office would have. So I'm not telling everybody that I should be their dentist. What I'm saying is to people in town that, you know, yesterday, for example, I met a new patient. She has stage four metastatic breast cancer, ALS, and a year ago had a tooth removed in the office and now she has osteonecrosis. And like what dental office is going to be able to see her? So meeting the needs of patients is primary. And it's funny because now my community understands years later, I am not a threat to their brick and mortar practice. I am a substitute for no care, not for going. The people who are at home have serious dental needs. And as you mentioned, you know, a barrier being affordability, also transportation and access. So it's funny how when things change in dentistry, sometimes some dentists might, you know, kind of white knuckle and, and, and fearful. You know, I can understand that. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to protect, you know, their investments. And I understand that. But we're seeing patients that they can't see or they don't want to see. So in Massachusetts, we're only allowed to take Medicaid patients. And a lot of dentists in Massachusetts, they'll say that they'll take the Medicaid patients, but they'll only, they'll see one. 
you know, they can limit their practice to one Medicaid patient. So it kind of skews the values there about how many dentists actually see, you know, Medicaid patients. It's much better now than it ever has been because there is, in Massachusetts anyway, there's a lot of public health assistance in dentistry. I think we're one of the leading states for that. But also, you know, I have patients that are uh, quadriplegics. It's a big deal for them to leave their home. It is a big deal. They have got to call an ambulance. They've got to transfer. You know, that's something that you can't do for a cleaning. It's just not feasible. So when we come in and we can make assessments and we luckily have the technology now where we have oral cameras and we have, you know, radiographs and whatever, we can assess all that information and forward it to their dentist and then they can make a treatment plan and make the appointment worthwhile not for the diagnostic part, but for the treatment part. I like that model. So here in New York, hygienists do need to work under supervision. And currently, you know, my knowledge or I've been advised that I should not work with hygienists and send any hygienists into the home. Although there's so many well-meaning hygienists who call me and they say, hey, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to help you with your patients. Yeah. And right now I'm at the point where I have to say, I'm sorry, I'm not able to work with you or send you out to work independently. That's such a shame. I end up doing all the the recall and hygiene. So it's like even you talk about, you know, business model, like how nice would it be if for access we could make things more affordable and have an hygienist do the that of me. And the thing is, is you could provide treatment to so many more people, right? I could be venture and extractions when they're all doing, you know, the exams and the SDF implication and things like that. So I would love to see the increased power or independence a little bit here in New York. And I don't know what that means, you know, specifically. Does that mean people can operate totally independently or just like do telehealth supervision or whatever? But I think that an expansion is definitely would be great for access to care. here. Yeah, I think in every state has struggled with that. There are some states where a hygienist can open a brick and mortar office and provide services direct to public. I'm not sure I see the value in that. I would have to learn a little bit more about what they're doing because you can go into a dental office for that same experience. But as far as Massachusetts, it's, you know, kind of cutting edge. I mean, the next level of care would be a mid-level practitioner, which we're not really a mid-level practitioner. We're just, you know, utilizing our license to its fullest. Right. So, okay, so we're not providing any traditional dental services. But there is a push in there in some states that mid-level provider who can do simple extractions and simple fillings. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit just from my own, like I'm just a little bit more weary of that only because I'm coming from a perspective in a state where like we don't even have hygienists that operate independently, period. So for me, I think just like letting hygienists expand their independence a bit and work with telehealth would just be such a huge advancement that my head isn't even thinking, you know, like dental therapy. Right. I'm just kind of pointing out kind of some of the things that other states are progressing towards. No, you're right. There's in Colorado or Minnesota and in Washington state, there are examples of that. So it's definitely something to watch out for, for sure. But I love uh, the collaborative model that you guys have. And I think it's really important that more boots on the ground. I think a lot of people, dentists in in Massachusetts, shy away from being in a collaborative agreement with a, a hygienist. Because they think that they're legally responsible for the hygienist. They think they're legally responsible for those patients that the hygienist sees. And that is very well spelled out in the laws that they are not. Do you think that they should be? Do you think that these people should have a dentist available to them, like a mobile dentist? 
Well, by law, we have to give them a screening form that says that they should have a screening with a dentist within 90 days of being seen by a public health dental hygienist. I mean, there's certain parameters that go along with that. But no, I I don't think that they should be legally responsible because I might be working, you know, 100 miles away from where my collaborative dentist is. And to say that you need to go see that dentist, it sounds, it's not probable. And it also sounds a little sketchy. I don't know. You should be able to see the dentist of your choice. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to see me as a hygienist, but you should be able to see the dentist of your choice. Got it. I'm an independent provider. Right. Right. Yeah. They're definitely, I'm trying to think how, you know, what in my ideal scenario could that be? I I don't know. I wonder if it's, you know, dentists and hygienists on a team in a region, kind of like a typical brick and mortar, but instead driving out, who knows? There's a lot of logistics to figure out, but it sounds like you guys are figuring something out, which is great. Yeah. We love what we're doing. And so what we do is we use um, so- online software and we store and forward. We do it by locations and anybody who works at that location can log in and, and see what the previous provider has done with their notes and x-rays. So we're always on the same page as far as what's happening with the patient. It works just the same as in a traditional brick and mortar office in which that communication is there and available and all for the benefit of the patient's care. That's wonderful. Well, thanks for shedding light on that type of agreement and what you guys are able to do. Because I do think that in order to increase access to care, it can't only be to the terminal provider. I do think that patients should have access to care to a whole host of dental providers when they need them. So this is great. This is awesome. But you alluded to this before, and I want to talk to you more specifically about it. You said the technology. We have the technology today. And I think that you're right. I think that in the past, without the internet or without intraoral cameras and things like that, a telehealth or collaborative agreement or something like that wouldn't have been possible. And do utilize that even in our practice and I know in your practice, but I want to talk to you specifically about an awesome piece of equipment that I know you're very familiar with called the Porto Pano. And this is how you and I met when you were talking to me about the Porto Pano. So go ahead and tell my listeners all about that. Oh, great. I'd love to. So I do a lot of work in nursing home care and also school systems. And particularly in my case with nursing home care. You know, I had traditional sensors and a nomad and, oh boy, taking x-rays on elderly dementia patients is a, it's, it's a gut-wrenching, sweating experience. I mean, it is, it's a workout and you have to go slow. And, you know, people sometimes at that stage in their life, they cannot understand simple direction such as open and close, open, close. And when you are trying to say that 18 times, to get x-rays and then it, they'll move. It's just a very difficult situation. So I said, guy, I really need a portable panoramic radiograph machine. And so I called my provider, my dental supplier. And I said, this is what I, oh, well, they don't make that. I go, oh, please look again because I really need this. And he's, they, they, they don't make it. I said, well, that's, that's so unfortunate because, you know, if this same patient fell and broke their hip in the nursing home, instead of taking them out, they can have somebody come in and x-ray their hip. So there are x-ray companies all over the place that go in. You may not be familiar with them, but they go in and they take x-rays on site. Instead of taking this poor 94-year-old person in the middle of winter, putting them in an ambulance, driving them to the hospital to sit and wait for six hours to get a simple x-ray. No, they did better. But, you know, dentistry has not quite gotten over that hump of, you know, we need to go to the patient. They don't need to come to us. So I said, well, that's really unfortunate. And so we set out, my husband and I, and we designed and patented a portable panel unit. 
it's a fantastic piece of equipment. It can be driven with literally just your thumb. It's on a battery motor driven piece of equipment. Goes through traditional doorways. There's no special thing there. And we just stand it into a rotating position, plug it into the wall, plug it into your laptop, scan away. And of course, the pants these days have unbelievable attention to detail on on the scans. And you're also to get close-up shots with bite wings and anterior shots. And so they're doing a lot more with that. Right now, we're in the uh, FDA phase of getting that scheduled and we're going to be doing 3D scans because that is um, something that hospitals have asked me for. They're like, you know, and of course the 3D scanner also does the 2D. So if they're looking for that in hospital settings or if you wanted to go in and do some implants in certain locations and wanted to send a team out just to collect the information. It's a phenomenal advancement in what we're able to provide for patients. Absolutely. I mean, I've told you this before when I'm telling people, you know, what my practice is all about. I never claim to be comparable to a brick and mortar dentist because I specifically lack what you're describing. Like if someone has an okay, I'm probably not going to find it. You know, I have my general ray, I have my sensors and my laptop. But as far as like malformations of the jaw or tumors, things like that, I'm not going to be able to tell you what your condyle looks like if you have TMD or something like you need a pan for certain things. And especially what you're describing, like for patients who are uncooperative with multiple bite wings and PAs for a full mouth series. I mean, it's just incredible that you'd be able to provide this to patients who can't get into a traditional dental office. Right. And we've made it particularly small and very close to the ground. Of course, it rises up and down on the column, but we can get to those smallest wheelchair patients. I would ask, can you lower people in a wheelchair can use it? Yes, because in some of those wheelchair patients are so tiny. They're so little. My husband would say, you got to be kidding. I go, no, lower. We got to go lower, right? So they're very, very small. And we're able to access them and get them into the piano machine. And usually you can get them to sit still for 10 seconds as that rotates around their head, you know, because we're able to be face-to-face with the patient. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm really impressed because... I mean, when I met you, it's, you know, you had created this invention. I think that was maybe something you and I talked about first thing. But what's amazing about it is that it comes from years of experience. You know what I mean? You've been doing this a very long time. You found a need. And I think that that's why I'm so eager to get more people into the dental house call field, because as more and more providers are involved in doing things, like we're going to notice these needs and we're going to notice what's missing. And we're going to have to be the ones to make sure that we bring it into fruition. And I think that's exactly what you did. Oh, well, thanks. Thank you for having that available. So at this point, you think that the portal panel is probably primarily most useful in like hospital settings or community residential settings, like nursing homes, things like that. Yeah, it's not a small piece of equipment. I mean, it's very, very easy to move, but it is a pan. Even though we use the lightest weight pan on the market, it's still a pan. And, you know, it's a sensitive piece of equipment as well. So you need to keep that stabilized, that all the internal equipment stabilized. So what we do is we, and you can actually see a video of this on our website, a little plug here, portopano.com, and there's a little video on how that works. So that's kind of what we came up with instead of, you know, trying to take pieces apart and put them back together. And, you know, so you do need to have a kind of a van, you know, with a ramp and all that stuff that we can set you up with as well. So to do that in a person's home would be difficult because of, you know, their furniture. Do they have a ramp to get into their house? I mean, I have done it. I have done it. 
but it would be difficult because you don't know what somebody's living condition is. So, but when you go to some like a nursing home, you can always find a space like that or a school system or a prison system. There are prison dentists out there, community health centers and assisted livings and workplace dentistry is becoming very popular. You know, corporate offices, that kind of thing. Also, I don't know if people are doing like college campus mobile dentistry, but usually where there is a type of community. Beautiful. You know what else I was just thinking of? You mentioned this earlier, and I guess I'm only thinking of it now. In a hospital setting, at least near me, when people have terrible toothaches, they can't get in to see a dentist or they don't have a dentist. A lot of people go to the emergency room. And I know that although the hospital near me has a dental clinic that's open during daytime hours, if you come in in the middle of the night with a toothache, the best they can offer you is like MRI, CT. They don't have a panoramic machine in the x-ray unit. Right. Yeah. So the last conference I went to was special care dentistry. They were just like, we don't have a pen. I go, you're in a hospital. Why don't you have a pen? But, you know, toothache, a CT scan is kind of overkill. It's a lot of radiation for that. And of course, then there's also people who use that as a drug-seeking mechanism, which unfortunately is the case. They'll use emergency rooms for that. So I think that dentistry, I know Massachusetts, one of the Western Massachusetts hospitals has a dentist on staff so that he can do these scans and rule certain things out. But the dentist that I was speaking to that did hospital work, they wanted that for their patients that they're doing a large amount of work on at one time. In Massachusetts, it's St. Francis, I believe, but they were hospital dentists, which is a whole different specialty. But yeah, they were completely fascinated and, and they loved it because it's so mobile. They could find a place to put it aside instead of having it wall mounted and that seemed to be more of a problem for them than actually having some place that they could store it. Oh yeah. I mean the Porto Piano along with the Nomad, like all of a sudden we don't need to have wall mounted radiographs anymore. Construction can be more simple for brick and mortar practices when you have mobile equipment. So this is awesome. Cool. Thank you for sharing Porto Piano with my listeners. I'm sure they're gonna go look at it. It's a very impressive piece of equipment. Very impressive. So if you had to mention anything to young dentists or new dentists or even dentists who are retiring, any dentist who is looking to venture into the house call dental field or mobile dental field, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say do it. People are so grateful. It really changes your heart. You know, you have a skill, you have a gift, you have intellect, you have training, and there are people that desperately need your help. Not that your patients that come into your office don't. Of course they do. You know, dentists are really famous for wanting to go on mission trips. But you know what? You can do a mission trip in your own neighborhood every day, every day. Or if you just went to the local nursing home or veterans home or whatever and said, hey, you know, I'd like to come in and do exams. They are so grateful. And you should be using your talents in that respect. And you can do both. You can do your traditional, and then, you know, a half a day or a whole day, you know, doing these other things. It's not hard. It's not hard. And you don't need much to do exams. And then if you feel as though you want to build up into doing, you know, more, but you don't have to like start out with, okay, well, I got to buy this and this and this and this. No, you don't have to. Just go in there with some disposable mirrors, some gloves, masks, and see what you see and see if you can help these folks out or not. I love that. You're absolutely right. People should just get started and then get fancy later. Excellent advice. Yeah, because you're right. People need it right now. Don't overthink it. You know what you're doing. Don't overthink it. I love that. That's wonderful advice, Kathy. Thank you so much for coming. 
onto the Residential Movement podcast and sharing your story with us. I know that people are going to reach out and have so many awesome questions or just things to share with you. So is there a way that my listeners can contact you potentially? Do you have an email available to them? Sure, of course. They can contact me at info at portopano.com or my phone number is 508-813-6034. And I love mobile dentistry, teledentistry, and look forward to making some new friends. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Kathy. Thanks, Ashley. She was great, wasn't she? There is so much to learn from providers like her. I hope this inspired some thoughts for you about what the roles of other dental providers could be on a dental house call team as house call dentistry becomes more and more normal over time. Kathy wasn't kidding. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you with any questions. Her contact links are in the show notes, so please feel free to reach out. Finally, don't forget what she said. Do it. Go out there and get started providing care to people who can't get into the dental office. Your patients are ready for you to start your house call practice. If you need any help with that, join the waitlist for the next cohort of Dental House Call Practice Academy. Dental House Call Practice Academy, or DHCPA, is an online course that provides a step-by-step roadmap for establishing your dental house call practice. You can join the waitlist at residentalmovement.com slash DHCPA. If you're ready to get started, I'm here to help you. Thank you very much for listening today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Talk soon. That's a wrap on this episode of The Residential Movement. If you like what you heard today, please leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you know someone who could benefit from this information, please share this with them. All of these actions help fuel The Residential Movement. Visit residentialmovement.com for show notes and for access to any links referenced in this episode. Thanks again for listening, Doc. Keep up the good work.